All right, welcome to another episode of Old School Thoughts, and thank you for all that you do to make this podcast possible. I am Frank Goodman. And Martha. Martha. Yes. Here we go again. Let's try it. A week has gone by. Right. We closed out the last session. We were talking about Black While Talking. Yes. Now, that was our version as a title, Black While Talking. But mm-hmm. it was based on a documentary by PBS that talked about talking in America, talking black in America, and the right. episode with Roots. That's correct. And we talked about that. Yes. Now, tonight, you have forced my hands. You have said that you're not going to let me off, that you're going to hold me to talking about the family tree. And also about... Ancestry, legacy, how you put together your roots so that you have a good legacy and family tree to share. Okay, so your niece has called us out. Your niece has called us out. Yes, she did. And she said, I would like to hear you all talk about the family tree DNA. Right. And some of the other things. Yep. And before we started this, conversation I called you then you called me back and you said Frank I was listening to some Ohio players and sliding the family stones and I said that is not fair that is not (laughs) fair that you get a chance to listen to my two favorite groups because I was thinking about the Ohio players their last album when they made try a a little tenderness and and I could see it over and over and over again but then we started talking about the two types of dances, fast dance and slow dance. Right. So please explain to our audience what a fast dance and a slow dance consists consist of. Well, to do that, you know, we have to also talk about the fact that we used to go to clubs to dance. Mm-hmm. Or if you had a house party and it was a really good house party, mm-hmm. people knew that you were going to play some music that was going to make everybody get up on their feet and they have to clear the ch- table and chairs out of the way mm-hmm. because people are going to cut a rug on that floor. <laughs> cut a rug. Okay? That's it. They were going to tear it up. That's right. And then there was a segment where you did to want you. That's a warm up, And then you did that segment to give everybody a breather where you put in those slow dances mm-hmm. and those slow dances. It was a time for people to, take a look at someone that they had the eye on all night and they say, you know what? I'm going to have a dance with this gentleman or I'm going to have a dance with this lady. Mm-hmm. And very often those dances, like you said, led to relationships. Right. Because those dances, when you did that slow dance, you got to understand the person a little bit more because you're in close contact with that You're, you're right. It's body against body. That's right. You're right. in close contact, right. mm-hmm. and you get to move with that person. Right, in sync. Yes, in mm-hmm. sync with that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I think young people are missing today. Right. Their dancers don't engage in being in sync with one another. You know, in but, sync to them is what I see them do, which reminds me of cruise ship dancing, mm-hmm. where everybody's lines up and they all do the same steps. Right, right. Now, that's good dancing, too. Mm-hmm. 
but it doesn't lead you to intimacy. Right. And that's what the slow dances did in our day. Right. And, and, you, and you know, as an old school DJ, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I get a chance to, to support friends and family. And I have reached the conclusion that maybe they need to stop hiring DJs. <laughs> <laughs> just, okay. Just bring just bring your your playlist on Spotify and play it right because every time the DJ gets ready to play a song, somebody has to walk up and say, "Can you play this song?" You know. And so everybody has a request. The whole evening turns into a request. But that's know, so, not how it's supposed to be. That's not the way it's supposed to be because you don't go to a club and go to the DJ and tell the DJ what to play after each song. Oh. You sit down and you socialize, you drink, you eat, you dance, you do whatever you're going to do. You enjoy the evening and you wait for either your favorite song because normally you're going to play a favorite song, a song that's that right. you've heard. That's right. But you can, you don't get a chance to do that now. I mean, for some but reason, you, you just walk up to the DJ's table and you start making requests. And it's one you request about the, the other. Well, they do that because it's out of control. It is out of control. You know, when you had the club environment, you had a controlled environment. You did. You knew that they were going to play a series of fast dances and then there was going to be slow dance. That's right. And you knew there was a time within that evening that you could make a request. That's and right. the request was not made all night long. Hey, DJ, request. Play that song. I'm on the request line. So, <laughs> you know, that was a time for a request, you know, but That's now right. there's no time for the request. There was, there was a, if I would use my word, there was a pattern. That was a pattern. Okay. And now we understood. We don't have patterns. No, no, we don't care about no pattern. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. we, we got to so stay on task now. You told me, so that, Frank. That leads us into, that nicely leads us into the pattern of, doing your family tree and understanding what's needed. Okay, niece, this is for you, niece. This is for you. All right. This is for her. So, so Martha, you and I yes. have been doing genealogy for a long time. For a long time. It's our passion. That's right. And we do it because there's something that we're trying to find out, maybe something different, but we're trying to reach a certain goal. Yes. Now, since talking with you and since having conversations with you and, and you and I have even come together to research information together, we spent today doing yes. that. You've been helping yes, me trying to, you know, hone down on who my grandfather really is. You've been trying to help me, you know, approach that situation. Right. And I see your strategy, how you go about doing your research. I've talked to you about mine. Mm-hmm. But if we can start off, let's start off with how do you start your tree? How do, how do you go about starting a starting a tree? Mm-hmm. And, and then if there's any slight differences, I just add what I do. Okay. But I think before we even get to talk about starting the tree, it's about knowledge. Mm-hmm. You have to have a certain basic knowledge mm-hmm. of your family. Right. Because you can't begin a tree until you know certain things. Like you have to know your parents, mm-hmm. and hopefully you know both sets of grandparents. Mm-hmm. Once you have that, then that's the basis of the family tree. Mm-hmm. 
And then you begin to do your research. Now, we've talked about uh, ancestry because we both use ancestry mm-hmm. to find information. And I think when you do the family tree, start with yourself. And then you can put together your parents and on the side, all of your siblings. And that's how I approach it. And then you want to look at your parents' parents. And for many of us, that's a difficult task sometimes. Do you right. agree? Right. I mean, <laughs> really trying, especially for me, because mm-hmm. I get a chance to meet other people who are researching, and they at least knew their grandparents. In my particular case, I've never met any of my grandparents. Right. I've never seen their faces. Right. So it's a different situation for me in that aspect, just like it's different from some people who do not know one parent. Right. Because there are people who do not know the name of the other parent and no one is willing to even share with them who that person is because they Mm -hmm. might despise the person, there might be some bad history, and they don't share it. They have no Mm -hmm. idea how hurtful that is and how harmful that is to someone. That's true. So back to what you were saying, yes, that is the way I start. That is exactly the same thing I do. I start with what is known first, and I try to put that down. And it's important to know the place where they lived. Right. You know, you might not know the specific town, but at least if you know the county and the state in which they lived, Mm -hmm. that helps as well. Because that's when you can use that information to zero in on your family. Because there's going to be people that have a similar name. You and I have come across so many times that we see several people with the same name even in the same state and county. Mm -hmm. But then you have to key off of maybe a a brother or a sister, something that would help you narrow the uh, research down to find the person and the family that you are interested in. Now, based on what you're saying, what I do, I try to look for consistency. Mm -hmm. I try to look for information that cross over again and again. Right. Now, I talk I talk a lot about obituaries. I talk a lot about death certificates and things mm-hmm. of that nature because on the death certificate you'll see the name of someone that was either right. the informant or maybe the mother and father's name would be on there and you would say, "Okay, that is a consistency there. I've seen that right. father's name." If you look right. in the obituary, you will see names of individuals in the obituary that showed up on a census report. Mm-hmm. And you say, same names. Now you get a chance to see that there's a married name. Right. Right. So it mm-hmm. gives you a chance to kind of cross-reference and say, I've seen those names before, so evidently I have the right person. But what is the downfall right. when you don't look for those cross-references and you just look for names? What are some of the downfalls to it. Well, one of the major pitfalls that I see is we forget that sometimes we share the name with people who are not of our race. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might take the name, let's say, Joe Smith. Mm-hmm. Your Joe Smith happens to live in New York City, but there may be 
10 other Joe Smiths that are born about the same time that live in the same city. That's right. And somebody is going to be the one that you're looking for. So you have to pay attention to the clues that point you to the Joe Smith that you're looking for. I've seen too many times where we just pick a name and then we discover. We don't even discover because we don't dig deep enough to find out the person is Caucasian. Right. That person is probably not linked to your family at all. Right. And I tell you, I think sometimes if I were a Caucasian, I'd be very upset Mm -hmm. to find somebody else is linking their family to mine. (laughs) (laughs) Like I get upset when white folks want to link to my family tree. Right, right. You know, but that's one of the pitfalls that we don't check deep enough and we don't have enough specific information to say, you know what, this can't be the person I'm looking for because the family names don't match. You start to look at those siblings to see, do the family names match? Right. So some of the advantages, but some of the advantages we have with ancestry is that Mm -hmm. ancestry provide provide you with hints. Yes, they do. It's not always accurate, right? But they give you these hints of people that you have in your family tree and they would say this is a hint it, it could be a person related to you it may not right. be a person related to you it could be an accurate record but when you yep. when you receive those hints what what are you looking for well first of all when i see a hint i'm always going to go into the hint itself mm-hmm. and i'm going to look at the census record associated with that hint mm-hmm. because I want to see what that family looks like in that particular hint. Mm-hmm. And that way you can tell by looking, is this the person that you want? Sometimes those hints can be misleading because those hints, if you don't check them out, it's up to you. They're like throwing spaghetti at you. <laughs> you can either put it on the plate or not mm-hmm. because they'll give you the choice. Is this person related to you? And you say maybe, right? and you have to check. But if you say yes, and they don't have any control, they're going to put that, they're going to allow you to put that person into your family tree. And then you discover six months later, this person's not even connected to you. So what does the cursory look? I, I think the cursory look that you're looking for is start with your parents. Like I said, your parents. Find yourself in the in the census record, I always start with the latest census record, believe it or not, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I'm so happy the latest one that came out is 1950. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't know why the census isn't put out more frequently. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be every 20 years, I think. But it needs to be put out more often so that people can find themselves. Mm-hmm. Younger people are looking to do the research but they're not going to find themselves as they're born in 1970. Mm -hmm. But they will find their parents on the 1950. So that's the cursory start to look at uh, your parents and your family structure then. So a cursory look for me, Mm -hmm. additional to what you mentioned, always I look at race. Yes, that's key. I look at race because mm-hmm. of what you said earlier. If you mm-hmm. don't look at race, you will find out that there were those white families 
with the same names yes. of, of parents. Mm-hmm. And you assume that that is the same family, and then you start adding those children together, or you or you combine that census, right, along yes. with your records. Yes. And then you find out that you have a whole lineage of white people attached to your family or to that particular family. So yes. on a cursory look, first thing I do, I look for, is the race correct? Right. Then I make sure I'm in the right county, state, and city. Mm-hmm. That's trending. Right. So if that is the trend that you were in Talbot County, then I'm going to focus on Talbot County to see right. if you're in Talbot County in that same area with that same name and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that keeps me from having to spend a lot of time on one particular item. And I guess that comes from experience, the reason why I could say it a does. cursory look, because you know certain things you're going to look for. You, you want to make sure that the age matches up and that the right. year of birth is within a certain range. So that year of birth could be three to four years younger or older, you know. And, or sometimes it's, yeah, sometimes it's as much as a 10-year gap. Sometimes it is. And, and know, so, because... But when you have that 10-year gap, then you have to be very careful that you're not running into a father with a son with the same name. That's right, or a mother, or with a daughter, daughter with the same name. So when I start right. running into that gap of 10 years, I mm-hmm. be- I become a little nervous at that time and start paying attention to say, okay, did they have a son who's a mm-hmm. junior? Did they have a daughter with the same name? Because now that 10-year gap turns into a different person. That's right. right. It could right. easily yeah. turn into a different person. Right. And the other thing, too, Frank, is sometimes we find if we look at the census in detail, and not just the record of what they've transcribed, because sometimes they transcribe information, and that information is not correct, because someone's trying to read writing that they're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. But if you go into the census record itself, sometimes the family, you will find cousins or related family names, surnames, surrounding the family that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. So I look at the I look at the census record for 1940, and on that census record, not only did I find my family, but I found my cousins, my first cousins, because my mother's sister lived nearby. So that's important that you're talking about because now you're talking about going outside of the home. That's right. When when you get that census report, you should look at that census report as your neighborhood. Yes. Right. So. Without me covering into the area that you were talking about, kind of explain how that census report looks and how do you make a neighborhood out of that census report? The census report is every every family is identified with a num- numeric number. Mm-hmm. There's usually two-digit numbers or three-digit numbers. It's actually three-digit numbers, two sets of three-digit numbers mm-hmm. that identify each family group. Right. And then within that family group, they will start to list the head of the family, which may be the father, or sometimes it's the mother, if the father has passed away. Mm-hmm. And then they begin to list the children within that household. 
and any other persons who are living in the household with them. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they may have rumors, what we call borders, or people who are just living in with the family, but not associated with the family. But very often you find people who are living within that family, they're actually kin to the family because they may be sister-in-laws, brother-in-laws, they may be nieces, nephews. So that kind of information you'll see. Then further along, you'll see how long people have been married. Sometimes it'll tell you the age in which they first got married. Right. They'll also tell you the occupation. What occupation did the man have or the woman have? Or each other other children mm -hmm. in the house. That's right. Or occupation that each of the children had, or whether they're in school or not. Right. When you you get to go back to the earlier census records, like 1870, 1880, then they tell you which children are at home and which children are working on the farm. Right. So you can glean a lot of information by looking at the actual census record, as opposed to just relying on the transcription or the information that's transcribed from it. In addition to that, when when you look at how long they've been married, Mm-hmm. You can also, it would also be two columns. One would say how many children were born to this to this union and how many are still alive. That's so it, it gives you that understanding as well. You know, you can get 10, 11, you can get 11, 11. You know, the numbers were normally large with those families. Yes. You know, but then again, along the left margin of those census reports, you get a chance to see the street. That's right. At the top portion of the heading, it will tell you what county, it will tell you what district or whatever. But on that left margin, it will tell you what street. So you would know the house number and you would know the street for each one of those families. Yes. Now, the reason why I wanted you to talk about the neighborhood is because you actually get a chance to see names of people that you grew up with. You get a chance to see those names and say, wow, I didn't know that the bodies lived right next to my grandmother. They Mm -hmm. lived, you know, the Dozers were right there, the Embrys, the Johnsons. You get a chance to see the people who grew up with you and see that their relatives or your cousins, based on your research, your future cousins Mm -hmm. were right Mm -hmm. there. Your, Mm -hmm. your, Your grandparents knew them. You just don't know them. That's true. Right. That's true. And also what you'll find is when you start to compare, when you really get into it and you compare, the census comes out every 10 years. So if you were to do the comparison of two census records, you might find people have moved. People didn't stay in the same city or location, but they'll always tell you on the census record where someone was born. They may not tell you the city and and, and the state, it's, they'll tell you the state, but not the city. Mm-hmm. They'll tell you that person was born in South Carolina or Georgia or Texas or wherever. But if you can compare senses back to back or next to each other, then you can see how the family grouping maps together. For me, as an example, to find my grandmother's siblings, I had to look at both the 1870 an 1880 census. Mm-hmm. And it was by piecing those two senses together that I got at least 17 of the 18 children I was looking for. Right. So 
So sometimes you have to do a little bit more due diligence and look at more than just the information that you see, that you read, that they transcribe to you. Okay. So as we move closer to our limit, mm-hmm. you were saying that the census report is removed, is, is, is done every 10 years. But a lot of people right. don't realize that that was a mandate made in the Constitution that it would be done every 10 years. So That's the correct. Constitution was ratified in 1787. In the mm-hmm. Constitution, they said that the first census would be done three years following the ratification, which meant that the first one was 1790. Correct. So that is the reason why the first census was done in 1790, and then mm-hmm. you have it done every 10 years afterwards. So this is by the Constitution that the census report is supposed to be done. Right. Now, what bothers me is that for all of the years that I were in school, that I was in school, Mm -hmm. we were taken to the library to prepare for book reports. We were taught how to read the catalogs. But we were never told that the census reports on microfilm were located in the public library. We were never told that our family's history was there. Right. Before Ancestry became computerized. But right. the, the microfilms were there that you were able to access and find your family members there. So True. there's a lot that we've covered. There are things that more that we're going to come back and cover. Right. So, so to the niece. We're going to touch on this. Mm-hmm. To our niece. <laughs> yep. Your niece and my cousin. Yes. We followed the rule. We've started this this process. Yes, we did. But we have to shut it out for our first segment. Yes, we do. So, Martha, I want to thank you for holding me to task. Listen, thank you for for bringing it up again. Yeah. And and, and thank you for holding me to task so that we can get it started and know that we have to come back with another segment and and try to go deeper into what this, this topic is about. Yes. So to because our listeners, yeah. We're going to say to them, listen, we, before quickly, that we want to make sure that they learn how to build their legacy. Right. That's the purpose of all of this. Okay. So to all of you, you know that we love you. We love you. And until next time. We're going to say. Be good. Be good. <laughs>